I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of St. John, starting in chapter 14 in the 23rd verse. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. So the next time you fly on a commercial airline, check out the safety instruction card that's usually found there in the seat in front of you. Here's what one of them said. If you're sitting in an exit row and you cannot understand this card or cannot see well enough to follow these instructions, please tell a crew member. Obviously, (laughs) these directions have some challenge since if you can't read the card, you don't know about this exhortation, do you? We don't, we don't, know what we don't know. Some friends and I had a similar experience. We were at a restaurant several years ago, and the menu had a similar phrase at the bottom. If you're unable to read this or see this, ask the waitress. And we had to ask, how would someone be able to ask this question if they can't read this statement? And She was stumped for a minute, but then, as I reflect on it, especially today, I think she had some wise words to say. She said, well, usually folks come with someone else. And although it doesn't quite solve the problem, does it? It does reflect something that's true about our lives. No one walks alone. We never walk alone. We don't get the promotion alone. You need the company to be able to give you a promotion. And if you have your own business, you need customers to help bring about your success. None of us walk alone. Some of our students are walking the steps of commencement this week and next. And they didn't get there alone either. They stood alongside their parents and teachers. We are grateful for the work that those students have done and what we do to earn those promotions, but we don't get there alone. 
And as we think about our Christian faith this day, we are reminded with the coming of the Holy Spirit that to be a Christian, we don't walk alone either. We need one another to be sure, but we need the one in whose name we were baptized, the Holy Spirit, to fill us and to guide us. It might seem like a catch-22 that in order to have faith, we need the Holy Spirit. In order to have the Holy Spirit, we need to have faith. Until we understand that just as God lives in community as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we too are called to live in communion with God, created to be with God. And fortunately, this conundrum is solved when God acted first. The Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So to receive the promises of God, we have to have ears and hearts ready to receive. And that is made possible by the coming of the Holy Spirit. The reason the disciples waited to preach was that they needed the comfort, the conviction, and the call to make them capable from the Holy Spirit. Let me say this again. The Holy Spirit comforts and encourages us. The Holy Spirit convicts and exhorts us. And the Holy Spirit calls and equips us. So we celebrate Pentecost today, but not like it once was celebrated. The time of Jesus before the birth of the church there on that first Pentecost, as we understand it today, there was another Pentecost being celebrated. Pentecost literally means 50th. And it was a celebration of the 50th day after having been saved from the hands of Pharaoh the Jews having been in slavery for generation after generation, they had been redeemed by God through Moses. And then on the 50th day, on Mount Sinai, they received the Ten Commandments, the law. And they began to be people of the book, people of the Torah. But Martin Luther reminds us that the Jews celebrated the festival because the law was given to them in writing. But now we celebrate it on the 50th day after the resurrection, our redemption from the slavery of sin. We celebrate it because God's law is given to us on our hearts with the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, with us. You see, we were baptized, those of us in Christ, into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we were baptized, we were given this family name to be called a child of God. So if we've received the Holy Spirit in baptism, what does it look like to live by the Spirit today? Well, Jesus gives us some explanation for that in the Gospel of John today. And proceeding, just in the words, just proceeding, what we read this morning, Jesus says in verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
He goes on to explain to us in these verses today that that gets realized in the coming of the helper, the paraclete, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one for us. So you might ask, well, which commandments are we to follow? The ten from Moses, Jesus' teaching. Well, Jesus isn't excluding any of it, but the key here to a spirit-filled Christian life is found in a paradox. And cultivating, as one commentator put, an attitude of perpetual emptiness, which brings perpetual fullness. Blessed are those, Jesus says, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see, we are called to empty ourselves and be filled with the Spirit. And so we follow the commandments, not just by righteous living. That comes as a result of the coming of the Spirit in our lives. We fulfill the commandment and love Jesus when we receive this gift. Jesus is not giving us a new law to be bound by. He's reminding us that we can only die by the law, but we can be given life by the Spirit. And then we can only follow the law after the Spirit has come. I like how Pastor John Piper put it. He says, if you read through the Gospel of John again, you'll find lots of commandments. They are, receive me, follow me, get up, crippled man, and be healed. Rise from the dead, Lazarus. Believe in me. Believe in the light. Abide in me. Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the commandments that Jesus calls us to follow first are to receive His gift of grace. And then our obedience in moral commandments and our obedience in following Him come with the Spirit in us. So help us remember what the Holy Spirit does in us and give you a little C and E, Christian education, but we're going to use C and E as a memory tool for us today. The Spirit, first of all, comforts and encourages us. For those whose hearts are humble and repenting, the Spirit rushes in with grace. Again, Luther reminds us from one of his Pentecost sermons that let no one think you possess the Spirit because you're altogether strong or have gotten rid of all your infirmities or, or, or have got this all together. No. Those who need redemption, those who need a Savior, know that it's the Spirit who brings God's healing comfort. The Holy Spirit is given to none except to those who are in sorrow and fear, Luther writes. In them, it produces good fruit. You see, in our brokenness, God comes to us. It's that paradox of emptying of ourselves and being filled with the Spirit. God's Word and the Spirit of God are never separate. And the Holy Spirit will never lead us away from what God's Word teaches us about Himself and about life. And so the Spirit comforts us 
with broken hearts. The Psalm 34 reads, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The Holy Spirit comforts and encourages us by reminding us of the grace of God and by comforting us in our brokenness and restoring our joy. And when we don't have words, in Romans 8.26 it says, the Spirit intercedes for us with the cries of our hearts that words cannot express. He brings our prayers themselves to the Father on our behalf. And so the Spirit brings life, brings comfort and encouragement. But the Spirit, the one who advocates for us, also has another job. The Spirit convicts us. Jesus says just two chapters later in the Gospel of John that when He comes, the Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. And concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And so, it's the Spirit of God that helps us understand the Word of God itself. If you're having trouble receiving this Word, then ask the Spirit to help you. He, the Spirit of truth, will guide us and convict us. Like a loving parent, the Spirit leads us back to receive this promise. Like a loving parent who calls to their child when they're in danger and sometimes with a loud voice, stop. The Spirit leads us. Who do you think leads us when we pray, lead us not in temptation? The Spirit does. So how do we tune our ears to the Spirit's voice of conviction and exhortation? By reading the Word of God. And the Spirit will speak to us as He guides us through the Word. But the Spirit's voice gets drowned out in our lives when we listen all too often to other voices. The Spirit's voice gets drowned out when we tune our ears to the teachings of the world or focus so much on screen time, and I'm not talking about our Bible apps, to the teachings of the media or human frailty that seems to come with so much wisdom. The Spirit convicts us and calls us back to the Word of God. Calls us back to the promise of God. The Spirit convicts us because God takes sin so seriously that He died on the cross. God writes in Hebrews, let us also put aside every weight and sin which so clings to us and easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now remember, it's not about how good you are. Remember the paradox. It's about emptying ourselves and humbly coming before God. 
It's not about our goodness. It's about God's and receiving this gift of grace so that we can then live. The great devotion writer Oswald Chambers puts it this way, conviction of sin is one of the rarest of things that ever strikes a man. It's the threshold of an understanding of God. Jesus Christ said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict sin. And when the Holy Spirit rouses the conscious and brings him into the presence of God, it's not his relationship with man that bothers him, but his relationship with God. You see, conviction reminds us to come again and anew to the promises of God and receive the gift of God. The world wants us to think that doing whatever we want, whatever feels good, is freedom. Any restriction on sex or money or food or lifestyle or morality is just too judgmental. But the, the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings is not some new legalistic power play by God. It's God's heart cry and exhortation to bring us back, to draw us back to himself, to the abundant life that he longs for us to have. The 3,000 who responded to Peter's sermon at Pentecost and the million cents have ears and hearts convicted by the Spirit and the humility to receive, repent, and follow. Finally, the Holy Spirit calls and equips us. In Ephesians 2.10, we're reminded after hearing those words of grace that God prepared beforehand good works as our way of life. So the Holy Spirit calls us to that way of life and equips us. I don't often like bumper sticker phrases, but here's one that is actually true. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You see, He qualifies us by His righteousness impugned on us and then fills us with His Spirit to do that which He calls us to do. Last night, my family and I and some friends, we went to the Isotopes game and we saw some pretty amazing catches. But you know, I never saw an outfielder or an in-baseman just hold up the glove and hope that it catches the ball. <laughs> they put their hand in the glove, right? You and I cannot do the call that we have been given unless we allow the Spirit to indwell in us, to receive the gift that came to us at our baptism, and let the Holy Spirit do His work in us. Zechariah says, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And so we are called, and we are equipped by the very Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead. So in baptism, you have a calling. A calling to make disciples that Jesus talks about in the Great Commission. Are we walking in that calling? Have we asked the Holy Spirit to help us? You see, it's not just the pastor or the missionary or the church worker's job to make disciples. It's every baptized Christian. You pay attention to 
the folks God has already prepared beforehand for you to lead into making disciples? Maybe your children or your grandchildren, your co-workers or your classmates, your neighbor or friends. There's a story I once told you about Rico Tice. He was a pastor and an evangelist from Europe. And he shared the conference I was at. He shared the embarrassment he felt when his best mate, as he called him, came, who he played rugby with, the knew well, came and had come to faith and come to him knowing that Rico was a pastor. He said, Rico, why didn't you ever tell me about this? And Rico had to admit, well, I, I didn't want to force it on you. I didn't want to embarrass you. He said, yeah, but this is life-giving, and, and it's, it's, it's so crucial, and, and it's, it's about life or death, heaven and hell. Why didn't you share this with me? Rico, a pastor, was convicted to not stay silent and let the Holy Spirit speak through him. St. Luke says in chapter 12 that the Holy Spirit will teach us what to say in the moment that we're called to say it. It's not even our own words that we need to formulate. The Holy Spirit will work through us, through you. Peter's sermon was so powerful, not because he was a great orator or preacher. He was a fisherman. It was the Holy Spirit working through him that transformed hearts and minds. Jesus promises when he gives us the call to make disciples that he will be with us always. And so we are reminded that the Holy Spirit comforts and encourages us, convicts and exhorts us, calls and equips us to the daily calling that He has before us. And Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Let's live into that identity today as children of God. That word led there in Greek is ago. It's reminiscent of of what they would have heard is uh, leading an animal with a rope around the neck. Not dragging. The animal has to be compliant. He has to follow. God doesn't drag us into His Spirit. doesn't drag us to follow Him. He invites us to be led by Him to participate by receiving this gift. The Spirit is comforting, convicting, and calling us to be the people He made us to be, children of God. And so we remember these words of Jesus. Peace I leave to you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And so because of that promise of the coming of the Spirit, Peter could preach... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sin, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. May you and I have ears to hear and hearts to receive and feet to go to do the good that God has prepared beforehand by the empowerment of the Spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.